Partial funding of Fruit Bowl is provided by listeners like you, who contribute through the Patreon crowdfunding website. Thanks to Roger B., who's been a patron since last December. Find out more about becoming a patron at patreon.com slash fruitbowlpodcast. I like to say that I experimented with heterosexuality, because <laughs> no one ever says it like that. <laughs> Masculine Tops. Power bottoms, butch girls, femme boys, bears, otters, unicorns. There is no shortage of labels that queer people use to describe different sexual identities and preferences. But how do we navigate that horny, thorny path between realizing we're queer and deciding which boxes to check when filling out our dating profiles? Fruit Bowl explores the unique ways we develop our sexual identities by sharing the sometimes messy, always fascinating, real-life sex histories of queer people. Our first introduction to sex. The embarrassing moments we'd like to forget. And the reliable bedroom moves that we've discovered along the way. Basically, all the stuff we wish we'd known when we first came out. Interviews are edited for clarity and brevity and are approved by each interviewee before being released. Thanks for listening. Let's begin. Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. I'm the host and the creator of Fruit Bowl, Dave Quantic. In this episode, Jai describes their family as being accepting of queer people. But just like Aditya and Nayland in previous episodes, Jai still found it difficult to come out to their family. The truth is, many of us endure our queer coming of age alone, even if we have people in our lives who would likely support us. Perhaps we're hesitant because we don't personally know anyone who is out, or maybe we're just unsure of ourselves. Jai describes this as never having their ring of keys moment. For those of you who don't know, this turn of phrase is a reference to a song from the Broadway musical Fun Home, which won the Tony for Best New Musical in 2015. Based on the graphic memoir by Alison Bechtel, Fun Home tells the story of Bechtel's experience growing up in her family's funeral home and her life with an emotionally distant father who was also a closeted gay man. The song Ring of Keys is sung by a young Allison about a local butch lesbian who she admires from a distance, entranced by her swagger and toughness, indicated by the ring of keys hanging from a belt loop. Allison thought that her life would have a very narrow path as a young woman, but seeing an out butch lesbian gave her permission to dream about her future in a new way. Maybe you never had that moment of self-acceptance. Maybe because you never thought that being out could be an option. I hope you can listen to Jai's story and start looking for your own Ring of Keys moment. My name's Jai. I am 29 years old and I graduated high school in 2008. So I identify as queer. Um, I use the term gay too for myself as well. Queer has been like this the stable identifier for me for a while now. I think when I was like first coming out, it was very confusing, but it was, I was like, bye. That was like kind of the only term that was accessible to me at the time, but even that didn't feel quite right. So yeah, in my college years, queer became the, the term that I embraced. I also identify as non-binary. So that's like another subcategory of like the spectrum of on the LGBTQ plus um, identifiers. So for me, it kind of feels like non-binary is 
uh, gender fluid. So I feel like I was um, assigned female at birth and I was socialized female. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But for me, I think growing into myself more and more, I realized that I live in this kind of gray zone that feels really comfortable for me. And so um, it's like a really internal feeling for myself being non-binary. And for me, that means that um, I can feel like masculine or feminine or somewhere in between and on any given day. Um, and I try to embrace both of those things. And um, I think that I, I don't really get upset when people misgender me that much because I, I don't know, it, do, it doesn't feel wrong necessarily. It just also is like, hey, there's another part of me that you don't really know because it's kind of invisible. And so I have always been like trying to learn and grow from other people as much as I'm growing from within myself. And I think being part of that community has helped me to realize like other aspects of queer groups and, and the importance that we all have in this spectrum. I grew up in Orange County, California, uh, the city of Orange. <laughs> Growing up there, I don't think I realized just how conservative it was. Um, it wasn't until I moved away to another conservative town um, <laughs> that I realized um, that it was pretty conservative. Um, and it, it's, it explained a lot for me because I didn't make a lot of friends during my high school years. Like I never felt like I fit in. I grew up predominantly with a single parent. My dad passed away when I was about six years old. Um, so it was my brother, my mom and I, and we were very close, we still are. We're all very similar people. My brother's an artist, I'm an artist. The passing of my father created, you know, a, a huge shift in our, in our family dynamic. Um, but I also, my mom was very, she talked a lot about it with me growing up. You know, that was something that she would never shied away from. And so I think from that point, we were always pretty open with each other. But I also, growing up, had a very hard time talking about anything that had to do with, like, challenges I was going through or um, my sexuality um, or anything, like, puberty-wise. Like, I just, like, shut down. <laughs> and that was just, like, I think my personality. I don't think I knew how to grapple with it. Um, and I don't think I had mentors necessarily like outside of my family so I didn't know how to relate perhaps um so that was challenging I know for my mom because I think she wanted to have like a more open relationship and I was like really closed off when I was probably about I think I was in second grade and we were like reenacting Hercules <laughs> like three of my friends that were girls <laughs> and we were like out on the playground and um they were like um why don't you be the prince and I was like yeah I'll be the prince and so I got to kiss this um girl named like on the cheek and I got like hot <laughs> like my like temperature wise and I was like excited about it and I didn't know what that meant <laughs> I don't know if I was just like socially awkward or like I pretended to like the same things that she liked. She was really into like Wishbone at the time, which was like a show. <laughs> it's weird that I remember that. Um, I think we tried to have like play dates, you know, as a kid, but um, yeah, there was something about her that intrigued me. Like she had this like short, shiny hair and bangs and the way that she talked or her mannerisms. I was always really interested in people's like hands and how they 
talked with them. So I think those kinds of things intrigued me about her. During my elementary school years, I had crushes like every day, <laughs> like different people, didn't matter the gender. Like I was, <laughs> I just liked people. I think <laughs> that's who I was. Um, there was another person when I was in, um, I think fourth grade and she must've been in like sixth grade and she wore like cargo shorts. And I told myself, I remember saying this to myself. I was like, it's probably a phase. Like already, that's like so instilled. I was like, oh, it's probably a phase, it'll pass. Like, I seem to like boys too, whatever. I remember like practicing like making out. <laughs> you can't really do it with yourself, but I would like, I'm <laughs> so silly, but I used to like, um, I had this like tiny mirror and I would like put on like lip gloss and I would like kiss it, <laughs> like kind of make out. I'd use my hand sometimes too. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Just like, because I think at that age, that was probably like, later elementary school years into middle school, probably like sixth grade. Um, I was like really wanting to kiss somebody. I wanted to like know what that felt like. Um, so I was kind of hung up on that. I was like, what is, what's that gonna be like? You know, I'd had no idea. Um, and it's, it was everywhere to me too. Like all the shows I was watching, there was like kissing. Um, but I definitely also masturbated. I mean, I think that I figured that out at a young age. <laughs> I think I was five. And um, I remember, uh, I think I was sitting at the kitchen table trying to do homework and I didn't want to do it anymore. So I just went on the couch in like the living room. I didn't even know that I wasn't like, you know, probably that's like private time or something. It wasn't even a thought in my head. But I remember just like masturbating on the couch. Um, I don't even, I don't remember knowing how I knew that though. So that's interesting. I'm like, how did I figure it out? No, I think that I somehow figured out like where it felt good and like just ran with it. Um, and I think that that's where um, my fantasizing at a young age started because I noticed that I was only fantasizing about women predominantly. <laughs> so that was like a big exploration for me. I don't know, we all learn it at different ages. Like there's nothing wrong with either, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm naive. Like I didn't know a penis got hard until I touched one. And I was ninth grade. Like I didn't realize that, I didn't put it together. Oh gosh, I... I have this memory of being, I think it was around like the third grade, and one of my classmates was like making moaning sounds during lunch. And this kid was obnoxious anyway, so I was like, whatever. But I feel like he had talked, I talked about seeing, I think his parents accident, like walking in on them having sex. And I think that was like my first kind of understanding of what that sounded like anyway. Um, and then I was really into this show. <laughs> this is so weird, but I was into this show called The Tribe. It was like a New Zealand-based like TV show. And um, I was like 10, I think, and they, ha they were having sex on the show and I didn't understand like how it worked. Like it was um, heterosexual sex and I was just like, how does, it find I don't know I just like didn't know <laughs> what the heck was going on and I think that started like the wheels turning I had a tv in my room at a young age and I used to at late at night I would look for um what is it like talk sex with Sue J 
Johansson. She was like an older woman and she would like, um, she would have like different callers call in and, and they would talk about their issues. And it was very um, straight a lot of the time, but there was some stuff that wasn't. And I was like very fascinated about that. It was like one of those like shows that should have, my mom should have like, you know, done the <laughs> parental controls for or something. But my mom was pretty lax. <laughs> That's I got away with a lot there. <laughs> when there were like movies that would come on and there was like two women kissing or having sex, I was like, what's this? <laughs> I don't remember a clear conversation with my mom about um, sex really until I was having it. <laughs> yeah, which I didn't tell her about. Like if I asked her questions, she would answer them. But I think if it came about me, I would like shut down. I think that's where a lot of this comes from, where I like don't remember because I think I just shut it down, even though she wanted to talk about it with me. My mom was pretty honest with me about like her sexual experiences at a young age. I don't think she told me her the age that she like lost her virginity or anything until like I was older, because I don't think she wanted me to <laughs> lose it. <laughs> lose it. I hate that term, but um, we talked about it a little bit, you know, here and there. But middle school was kind of like that awkward time where those questions were coming up a lot, um, but I didn't necessarily like have a group to talk through it with um, until high school when I was kind of already dating and, and figuring it out myself on my own. I figured out a lot of stuff on my own. Because of the conservative area I lived in, they taught abstinence only. It was totally like fear-driven. Like they showed us images of like what you can get if you kiss somebody. And I, having lost a father early on, so like I was already an anxious person. And then to be on top of that, be told like I could get something from just like kissing. I was like, hell no, I'm not gonna like go have sex. That's like terrifying <laughs> and there's no way. Um, so it was like really instilled in me that like I shouldn't have sex. Um, I was given books like during puberty. <laughs> um, my body, myself, I think it was called. My grandmother gave it to me. <laughs> I think no one talked to her about getting her period, so then she didn't want that to happen to me. So she gave it to me, and I think that she thought it would be received better because it wasn't my mom, but I was so upset. <laughs> I educated myself, like I looked up things like, um, I subscribed to like Seventeen Magazine. That's where I like learned a lot of stuff about sex and um, of course, it was like very heteronormative lens, but um, Teen Vogue, before it had like its overhaul, like that, those magazines were like a big part of figuring out sex and sexuality and um, figuring out like ways to like learn about my body so I knew what was going on. Like a lot of them say like, look, take out a hand mirror, <laughs> like, you know, check yourself out and stuff. And like, I think growing up in a society that like shames all that. It, I did it anyway, but it was like scary because you're just like taught from such a young age, even subconsciously, to not investigate yourself. Um, and because I was like trying to figure out like how to do all this stuff on my own in a way, it was, yeah, I don't know, challenging. I grew up hearing like from my mom, like there's no issue with same sex marriage, no issue with people living together. Like she's the live and let live person. So I grew up under that. Um, mindset too and I never questioned it because I've never felt like it was wrong but I also growing up had a very hard time talking about anything that had to do with like 
challenges I was going through or um, my sexuality or anything like puberty wise, like I just like shut down. <laughs> and that was just like, I think my personality, I don't think I knew how to grapple with it. Um, and I don't think I had mentors necessarily like outside of my family. So I didn't know how to relate perhaps. Um, so that was challenging. I know for my mom, because I think she wanted to have like a more open relationship and I was like really closed off at that time. But yeah, nobody, there wasn't like role models for me. Like I didn't necessarily have a ring of keys moment, <laughs> you know, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> now I just hope to have be a ring of keys for someone. Um, but yeah, no one, I think when I was coming out more and more and my mom was like, um, more a part of that journey later on, she was like, oh, your cousin here is gay. And um, now I'm like another cousin that I know of has been in the same relationship with his uh, husband for many, many, many years. And so it's nice to see that they do exist, especially on my Catholic side of the family. <laughs> my dad was Catholic Italian and my mom's Jewish. So yeah, a lot of guilt, but <laughs> also just um, a lot of differences in that way. Like they're more conservative on the Catholic side and uh, my mom's family is very progressive, um, liberal. So that was always an interesting dynamic too in my family to go from one to the other. And that's why I was, I was afraid to come out at that time. Like when I came out, I came out like kind of a little later, probably my early 20s. Um, and I was afraid of coming out to my Catholic side of the family because I was like, oh God, they're gonna, especially because I had like, I like to say that I experimented with heterosexuality because <laughs> no one ever says it like that. <laughs> but I really think that's true for me um, that I experimented like that in my you know teens and early twenties. And so that's all my family had seen. And so I knew that they were gonna be like shocked even though I had been grappling with this internally for some time. It explained a lot for me because I didn't make a lot of friends during my high school years. Like I never felt like I fit in. Um, and I always felt like kind of the weird one and yeah, trying to figure out myself and my group of friends. And I didn't look like punk or I didn't look like a popular kid. And so I never knew where to put myself. So instead I became a theater kid. <laughs> The first time I had sex with a penis, <laughs> I don't know how else to say that, <laughs> when I was experimenting <laughs> with those was with like a long-term boyfriend. Yeah, that was like my first sexual experience with a dude, a cis dude. <laughs> we had dated for about a year, I think, um, before we had sex. Um, I think I met him when I was like 15, 15 and a half, and we dated like most of my high school time for about two years. Yeah, I went to the same high school. Um, he was two years older than me, so we weren't in the same classes or anything, but got to know his family very close. I know that we had talked about it a couple of times and he was very understanding of like not pressuring me. And I think that, you know, we were both socialized in a certain way and that goes hand in hand with like how you have sex at that age. It just does. I think from a young age I was feminist and I didn't have the languaging for that. So I was like very aware of like not letting him like pressure me and making it my own terms um, and making it be a choice that we both made together. And he also hadn't had sex before either. So I think that's what kind of made it special because we were like, oh, we're kind of in this together. We don't really know what we're doing. 
For the most part, I don't think I felt pressured. But if I look back on it now, I'm like, how could I not have been in some way? I think it's just like the roles that we inhabited at that time. It was very quick because it kind of hurt me. Like I didn't really understand how it was going to work necessarily. Um, though I had been like kind of sexually active in other ways with like oral sex, um, hand jobs, fingering, <laughs> mm -hmm. that sort of thing. This was like the first like penetration situation that I had. So I was like, I, I don't think I liked it, honestly. It was like, <clears throat> I don't think anything can really prepare you for like that depth of intimacy. I always liked the fingering more though, see, so I knew. <laughs> Not to say that dildos aren't great, because they are, but, <laughs> you know, I think from that age I was like, I don't need that, I just need your hands. <laughs> it wasn't wrong necessarily, it's just like, it's so different from how I am now, so it's interesting to like look back on those sexual experiences, because to me I think there's nothing that could prepare me for it, and at the same time it was like totally my own choice, but it was such a, a huge shift I think for me afterwards, because... The ways I connected with like men were could never reach the levels that I connect with like the people that I date now or like the experience that I have now with like same sex or non-binary people. Like the intimacy is just different. Um, so I think that I missed out on like feeling like really close in some ways to like the person that I was sleeping with because I didn't have the words. I had dated this boy for like two years and um, I must have been like 16 and I told him, I was like, I'm pretty sure I want to like not just sleep with you. <laughs> like I think I'm interested in like women or girls at the time because I was younger and that's when um, the first like queer sexual encounter happened was probably around like 17. I think when I... Um, met someone who was out already. So this is the person I'm currently with now. Back then, um, they used she, her pronouns, but now they use they, them pronouns, so they're non-binary currently. Um, so it's, I, I get confused on how to talk about past experiences with people. So this person at that time um, was the same gender as me, and I told them that I was like bi, or like bi-curious, that was like the terminology back then. My invisibility is like a huge thing and it really was during my high school years like people didn't believe bi people existed people thought that you had to like choose one side or the other and I was always really conflicted because I never felt that way for myself I always felt like I was drawn to people like their essences and so um it was hard for me because I was like I always felt like I was wrong and yeah, we had, like, varying degrees of, like, intimacy throughout, like, my last year of high school. Um, and that was, like, my first kind of intimate experience with, like, the same sex. Um, I remember um, TAing, like, a ceramics class because I dropped out of math. <laughs> and um, they were in that class, and I was, like, immediately drawn. I was like, whoa, you look like someone interesting, like had a cool haircut, like cut the, their own hair, and it was like, kind of looked like, um, I don't know if you're familiar, like Tegan and Sarah, that was like a big part of like my coming out was listening to Tegan and Sarah in high school. Um, in high school, like they would, people would always say like, oh, that person looks like they're part of Tegan and Sarah, or like, you know, 
Um, so I was like really drawn to this person then. And, and uh, I think we had a mutual friend. From there, we kind of hung out with these friends together. And um, I had this moment like where we were with a bunch of friends, like having a bonfire on the beach. And like we walked down a little ways to like a darker area and um, made out on the beach, like laying down. And I, it's like one of those memories that is so vibrant for me still because it was like a, a moment of like blooming for me. Like I was like, oh, this feels really right. This feels really good. It's like a really good kiss, like the chemistry. It was cool because, you know, at that time they were allowed to sleep over. But it was hard too because like I wasn't able to be honest with anybody about what was happening. And I know that hurt the person that I was being intimate with and um, it was like a conflicting time. We had a few moments where like we were intimate with each other. Um, we didn't really experiment like oral sex, we just did like um, fingering and stuff like that. Such a weird word. <laughs> it is. I'm like, is there a better word for that? <laughs> uh, is there? I don't think there is. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, we, so we spent like a lot of time like literally sleeping next to each other and also just like being intimate in that way and like making out which was awesome i was like enamored like this was so cool because it felt like in the open but secretive to me like oh i get to have this relationship and it's kind of like right there in front of everybody but nobody will ever know because they don't think about it um and we had like a lot of different hangout times and I would go over to her house and like make out or sleep over. I'd stay like way too late cause I, I could drive then. So I could like, you know, drive over and be like, uh, you know, text my mom like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm running late or whatever. <laughs> you know, she gave me a lot of lax in that time. During the time that I was like casually sleeping with my ex-boyfriend, I was also like being intimate with them and he had broken up with me because I, we both knew that I was leaving for college. I was going out of state. And um, so I was like, well, whatever, we'll just still sleep together, it's fine. And I don't think I realized the impact that that would have on the other person that I was kind of like sleeping with. Um, because I think because I wasn't claiming a word for myself, it made it so that it was okay. Like, you know that like Catch-22 where people are like, where like a lot of straight couples are like, oh, if you go have sex with like, the same sex, it doesn't count. Like, that kind of bullshit. Um, <laughs> sorry <for> my <laughs> I mean, whatever. But, you know, I think it was like that for me. Like, oh, it doesn't count. But I think in reality, it absolutely did. And I don't think... I wish I had known that more... Was more clear about that. Because it would have saved, like, a lot of feelings. And it would have also helped me, I think, in the long run. To just say I'm gay and, like, not feel shame around that. Cause I got like a lot of shame. Like the guy that I dated for a long time was like, oh, you're going to be like the lesbian I dated. Or like, I turned you into a lesbian. What the, f what, what does that even mean? It's not about you. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I know. So that was like the messaging, right? So then of course, like, I didn't know how to be, I, I wasn't like the person that I am today where I can like overcome that easier. Cause I was still a teenager. So, but then when I found out that I was also sleeping with my ex-boyfriend, um, she cut off contact with me. Um, and it was hurtful for me, And I, but I understood in a way. 
But I, um, so we didn't t uh, stay in touch with each other. About eight years went by. Yeah. Uh, so um, we reconnected because I moved to Seattle and I knew that's where they lived. I, randomly, I didn't plan it um, that way. But um, yeah, they saw that I was in Seattle and reached out to me. And I had reached out to them over the years. Um, trying to like see if we could kind of rekindle any sort of friendship even and kind of was silent. And then when I moved here, they reached out to me. And then um, before we could schedule a coffee date, um, we ran into each other in Capitol Hill randomly. I was like on my way to see like another person that I met like at a queer dance party. <laughs> and uh, that's how it started. So like we um, got coffee and then we started this like really cool friendship after that. And then it turned into dating. <laughs> I, I honestly think I was in love with like the first boyfriend that I had, but I also, when I look back on it and f when I reconnected with, I told them that I was in love with them in high school too. So yeah, those two people were, yeah, my yeah. first. There's been moments where like, you know, we're like right in the moment and I, I have like fallen off the bed, you know, shit like that, where you're just like, that's embarrassing and it kind of ruins the moment, but let's not let it ruin it. You know, <laughs> like we both like end up laughing and it's like fine, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> you're like, try like a new way to like have sex or like new position and then you like kick them in the face. I mean. <laughs> You know, I, I can't think of like one moment exactly. Um, definitely like a lot of moments like where I was like queefing and that's always embarrassing because you're just like, you don't want that to happen. I don't know why it's shameful, <laughs> but it's just like, it's like, no, <laughs> I don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, I was, w my partner at the time, I was like, let's go buy like some lube or something, you know, let's go buy a sex store or something. and. Um, went and did that and then um came back and put the like the lube on like the side table and we were like getting ready to like you know have sex and stuff and um they grabbed the the wrong thing and I guess something happened where there was Purell right next to the lube <laughs> and I think the lube I got was like warming sensation maybe or something like that and so I didn't think anything of it at first but when it was on me, I was like, oh my God, this doesn't feel right at all. <laughs> this feels too warm. <laughs> so it was like, like embarrassing, but also like, oops, like a big oops. <laughs> yeah. I like wiped it off immediately. Thank God it wasn't internal. That would have been fucked up. <laughs> this is like external. And I think it just kind of, it went away pretty fast. And I think I joked like, oh, well, they're really clean now or like whatever. <laughs> but it definitely was like not a fun experience, but it's definitely a funny story after the fact. <laughs> I 
I'm good at like reading people. And I think that helps to like figure out what move to use. <laughs> I don't know that I have like a signature move. I, when people like their ears being like bitten, I like go for that all the time. Cause I'm like, Oh, that like gets anybody in the mood. Right. <laughs> but if you don't like that, then that's like not going to work. But, um, I think that I switch a lot too. So I think that helps cause I like both. I like being a top and a bottom and, um, in my relationships. Yeah. And for like queer people who are like, we're assigned female at birth, it's like different. So I think it's mostly in relation to like, do you like to dominate more? Do you like to be more sub submissive? Um, and there's also like a terminology like pillow princess or like bossy bottoms. So I, I think a pillow princess is like someone who's a bottom and just like wants to hang out and like have everything be done to them and like not lift a finger. <laughs> I think that I fall into a lot of those categories. Like I am, I like being a bottom. I just like do it to me. <laughs> I don't want to like think about it. Cause you have to like plan your moves out and it's exhausting. <laughs> um, so sometimes I'm like, it's less pressure if I'm like not on top. So I guess to me, that means like, if you're on top, you're like, kind of taking the lead you're in charge of like how it's going to go down like if you're teasing someone if you're not um and then if you're on the bottom it's like you just kind of go with the flow I think for me it's like in my relationships when I've been with women we switch a lot yeah not all the time not during like every sexual experience sometimes there is one person who's a top and one person who's a bottom but I think a lot of the times in my experience it's we switch roles um, because I think for me, I, I kind of like it that way. It's exciting to not know who's going to do what. Um, and that makes it more fun, especially if it's like a long-term relationship. Right. And I feel like it's also part of their identity in some way. And I think that can be hard to like maneuver around because especially if you're like seeking certain partnerships or certain sexual partnerships, people want to like know who you are. In, in your in like the gay community, gay male community, but I feel like in like the queer, I don't know, and not to say like gay men don't identify as queer, but like in like the community that I'm in, it's like we don't really have that as much. I don't know, maybe it's just the community that I personally inhabit. I'm like I wouldn't know where to start to say like the, with that languaging. I guess I would say I'm a switch, but that's like I don't know. To, any label around that is hard for me because I'm like, is that true? Or it might change with the person. I don't know. I think I like seek people out that aren't, that don't have an energy about them that is just one way. Because I think that there definitely are people like that are tops, that are bottoms, and that's just who they are and it's what they do. But I think for me, it's because I live in this gray area in a lot of ways in my life, it just seems more interesting to to switch around because I don't know I think that's what I like I think that's like you never know who's gonna do what like um until you kind of meet them and get to know them and I think that's like a big part of it too and to always be stuck in like a box being part of like the queer community is about labeling yourself and identifying yourself but also being able to like break out of all the things that we've been conditioned to be I think that relates to sex too Being aware that I 
wasn't straight, but continuing to date like cis straight men was challenging because I continued to be drawn to these people. I don't know if it was based on gender or not, but that's how it happened. And I think sometimes being in those relationships was challenging because there is a multitude of complexities that come into like, I guess like hetero relationships because there's like a whole society that backs up those two people. Growing into myself more, becoming like more feminist, more anti-racist, more anti-sexist, like all of those things. And then being in relationships where I saw like roles played out in a certain way, even though I wasn't wanting to be about that. I think that was like probably the most challenging experience that I've had in like my dating life. Because it wasn't until I had a long-term relationship with another woman um, in my early and mid-20s that I was able to like really see the stark differences um, in like how I behave and how that how men treated me too. Yeah, men were coming from their perspective in the relationship and I was trying to like educate them and I was like, this is a lot of emotional labor. It's like a lot of work and like you're still not getting it. And, like, I want you to try harder. <laughs> and I don't know, like, if that could have ever been resolved. Because I think that intimacy-wise, though I was, like, continuing to have sex with men, it was, like, and it was fine and I, I liked it for the most part at that time. I think that I was missing, like, a big part of, like, a relationship aspect that I wanted. And so when I dated a woman in my mid-20s for about three years... And I was able to be like, oh, wow, like we already like have this like worldview that I don't have to explain to you like what it's like to be a woman. I don't have to explain to you like the hardships and the challenges that come with like that at all. Like we just get it. And I think that was like a huge difference and that made it so much more intimate from the get go. Whereas like with the other, with the men, it was like, I have to explain that to you. And also I get angry if I think that I'm doing like a specific role that I don't want to be doing because of my gender or the way you think of my gender. Yeah. And like, it just broke all that down when I dated a woman. So I think within the dating scene now, I think honestly, in some ways it's gotten harder because we are just like behind the phone, like looking at people's images and based on like first impressions through a flat screen, like we make these ideas about people and we judge them because that's what we do. And I think we lose and we miss out on a lot of connections. And I think that in my community where gay bars aren't a thing, I mean, they are a thing, but they're not as prolific, um, which is so unfortunate because I think we need them. We need them to exist because I think we'd go out more and meet people in person more. And I think that would really help generate a better, or not a better community, but like a more well-rounded community, more diverse community where you're meeting people in person besides like just through the technology that we have now. Mm -hmm. When I first came out, I was in college still. <laughs> so it was different because I was around a lot of different people. Um, there were more like gay men around me than and like the the queer or lesbian women like they weren't I didn't see them as much I don't know if that's because I <laughs> didn't look or if I was afraid to or whatever but um I dated like one person in college and 
I think that being around just people in general made it easier. Um, I already had like a pool of folks to kind of choose from. And then I think after that, like in my mid to late 20s, I don't know. I mean, dating apps are helpful. I think the fact that I'm like an extroverted introvert helps because <laughs> I love meeting people and I tend to be like a little promiscuous <laughs> when I'm single. Um, so I think that helps. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it as it is. I <laughs> call it what it is. But um, I, yeah, and I think that makes it easier. Like I, when I moved to Seattle, I moved to Seattle by myself, single. I only had some friends here. And I went to like queer parties by myself, sober sometimes even. And some people would be like, what? That's absurd. Why would you do that? But I think to me, I was like, there's no other way. Like I'm going to meet people. And I wanted to meet, I mean, there's a lot of cuties. I wanted to meet them. <laughs> um, I mean, I am now in like a monogamous relationship where we discuss like having other people in our relationship. We haven't like really practiced that yet, but that's been a conversation and it was a conversation in my last relationship too, except that I got cheated on instead. <laughs> so there's like not a lot of trauma, but there is some where I'm like, how's that going to work? Um, but I'm, ex I'm looking forward to like those moments in like the relationship I'm in now where we can like have this foundation and also be like, cause I think it's unrealistic to be with one person forever. Um, and I think that we both probably want to be with other people. And I think that that's fine. There's, you can work through jealousy. I don't think you can work through resentment as, as easily. I was really pushed and pulled in a lot of different directions in my youth. And I think it did create a lot of cool experiences and a lot of unique learning opportunities. But at the same time, I think that I questioned myself a little too harshly. Um, and I think that I would have told myself, like, it's okay to just, like, listen to yourself. You don't have to have it all figured out. Um, and to not give so much weight to other people's opinions. Or, like, that it's okay to experiment with opposite sex people. And, like, that you're still experimenting. I think it's all about experimenting, really. And that you don't have to be pinned down to any sort of, like, identity or label in your youth. Or even whenever. I mean, I still am, like... Well, maybe there are some people that I would, you know, be interested in having a relationship with now that, you know, wouldn't fit like this queer bill or whatever. But it's like, yeah, just like not proclaiming any one title unless it really feels right for you and, um, and that it's okay to change it too. I think the hardest part when I was first coming out was like, I didn't feel like gay enough. I didn't feel like queer enough um, because I had dated men. And th back at that time, it was like, you ha like people were like, well, you have to sleep with same sex to know that <laughs> you're gay. <laughs> and I think that's ridiculous. Um, I think you just know. And sometimes it helps <laughs> to like have those experiences, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but you don't have to because you can be asexual and know like who you want to be intimate with. I mean, it's just... You know, you don't have to, like, be in the act. Um, and I also think when I came out, well, I'm kind of out as non-binary to some circles. And uh, to me, it's become 
a personal choice in that way. And that's fine with me. I don't feel like I need to be out all the time. I think for a while I thought I needed to be out like everywhere for it to exist, for it to matter, for me to be part of the club. Um, and I think that when I was kind of coming into more of an understanding of like, I think I'm non-binary or like on this trans spectrum, that I had to look a certain way to do that. I had to, I, I didn't feel like I was, um, you know, non-binary enough or trans enough to like claim those labels. And I, oh, a friend of mine at the time talked to me about that and was like, you, you're enough. However you identify, however you present, it's enough. So I'm glad that someone told me that advice, um, a fellow trans person. And um, yeah, I think that helped me kind of come into my skin even more. I love the idea of like sex positivity. And I think that this like radical self-love that goes hand in hand with that I think it's really beautiful and I think that I'm trying to practice that as much as possible because I think there is still like a lot of shame associated with sex and I hate that and I don't know where that messaging came from because it was never direct. It was just always, you know, exterior, like peripheral messaging and it's amazing how much that affects me and other people uh, still. Uh, even though I like I say I'm this and that I say that I'm like you know practicing all of these things that will help me heal through like trauma or or heal from other things I think that it's really important to find people that you can be intimate with and practice like this kind of um, intimacy and, and, and sex positivity I think that's a beautiful thing and I'd like to practice that more too <laughs> I interviewed Jai in November of 2019, right here in Seattle. Check out our YouTube channel to see a short video I edited for Jai's interview, as well as a video for all of Season 2 interviews. You can also see the videos on our Instagram, at Podcast or Twitter, at FruitBowlPod. Speaking of Twitter, I've received two very nice direct messages from listeners this last week. The first is from Alex, who wrote, I have been binge listening to your podcast, and I love it. It's a great mix of interesting, funny, informative, and horny. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. The next message came from the PD 99 who said, I'm really enjoying the podcast. Never really heard people being so open about their history and stories, so it's great to hear something and think, oh, that didn't only happen to me. Thanks, Petey. I feel the same way. Please write me and tell me what you think of the podcast. I love hearing from listeners. And if you feel inspired, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Check out our podcast partners who have helped promote football. Gayest episode ever with Glenn and Drew. Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. Matt Baum's Sewers of Paris. And Linoleum Knife, hosted by Dave and Alonzo. Football is a production of Cubed Media, LLC. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening.